Here we are locked on NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to the show and all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. And speaking of the scouting side, Matt Williamson, it's Senior Bowl week. You and I, I think, have started to dive into draft stuff a little bit more. For me, with the 49ers run, this is as far behind as I've been on draft stuff since uh, I started doing any of this, and it's been over a decade. So uh, I'm behind. I but you were a little ahead of the game last year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> when you follow the 49ers uh, recently, you started looking at the draft Yeah, in uh, in October. And so now, yeah, we're 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 a little bit behind, but seeing some Senior Bowl prospects, seeing some Senior Bowl coverage, and uh, I actually want to lead this thing off because our friends at Locked On Bengals, Jake had a chance to talk with Duke Tobin, who is the player personnel guy for the Cincinnati Bengals, who have the number one pick in the NFL draft, and uh, they were talking about a number of things, and the quarterback position came up, which could be very important for the Cincinnati Bengals with that number one overall pick. And this was just a clip of their conversation. Get quarterbacks much differently, or even five years ago, now these guys going off script, doing off schedule plays yeah. much more than before. It's a big component of the NFL right now that the, the teams that are having the most success are, are getting more off script plays on third down than the teams who are trying to run the perfect play on third down, you know, and, and when you can get a guy that can, can make the unexpected happen. The Mahomeses of the world, uh, the, those teams right now are. Now you can make negative unexpected happen doing that too. So you've got to have the right guy that still is in control of what he's doing and not just. Isn't that part important? Like, the, by the vision doesn't like narrow when that, that has yeah. to happen. You see that with some guys that, sure. you know, they get out there and they start to panic a little but bit. But it's a whole team thing that the line has to continue to block. They can't hit the off switch. Mm-hmm. The receivers have to understand how to uncover when that happens, how to how to alter their route, when to come back, who goes deep, who goes short. You know, you got two guys that run deep and you got nobody to throw to. You got two guys that turn around, stop in the same area, you got nobody to throw to. So it's a coordinated effort. Yeah. It's not just chaos, but it's a coordinated effort. And I think those things build on your football team when you have a guy that's gonna they expect the off script play. So I don't know, Matt, if you think that sounds like Duke Tobin is explaining things that they like about the guy that everyone has them taking number one overall in LSU quarterback, Joe Burrow. Um, I think it's a good conversation, and I do think it is a trend in the league, and it makes sense. And I think that defensive linemen have such an advantage over offensive linemen right now that you need to be able to run away from those beasts trying to hunt you down that can all run in the defensive front, like, you know, like your Niners. Um, but that doesn't sound like Joe Burrow to me. You know I mean? I know Burrow can run and he's a good athlete and he's a good basketball player. I get all that. But the beauty of him is his passing and his accuracy and his anticipation and the things you wanted out of Joe Montana and John Elway, you know, I mean, since, since we've been watching football. So I'm not so sure that pocket, pocket passing isn't always still going to be the number one attribute you look for. And that's what Burrow really excels. And he mentions a lot about Patrick Mahomes. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is available, so he better figure out a different quarterback that he likes a lot. Yeah, that's that. I was thinking that too when they were you know, talking about it. Like everyone's looking for the, the next Mahomes. Maybe it's love from the senior bowl or whatever, but you're not going to find them, first of all. And 
you might overlook another good prospect because you've overvalued some of these fly by the seat of your pants traits. You know, I mean, I, I think it's a slippery slope. Don't just grab the athlete and oh, we'll turn him into a quarterback. You better grab the quarterback and then turn him into an NFL quarterback. I want to talk more Bengals, and Bengals is one of the staffs coaching the Senior Bowl this week, but I saw a quick stat from NFL Research on Twitter that said only three players in NFL history have won an MVP and reached a Super Bowl within their first three seasons. That would be Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner, Hall of Fame quarterback Dan Marino, and now Patrick Mahomes, and they say future Hall of Famer question mark. But when I saw that, the immediate thing that my mind went to is, this week is not the week that Patrick Mahomes wants to be compared to Dan Marino. Most other weeks, that's fine. But Super Bowl week, that's not the time that uh, the Dan Marino-Patrick Mahomes comparison, you want that to continue. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Danny M took the, the place by storm. There was at least as much buzz about this point of Marino's career as there was Mahomes. I mean, no one threw the ball like Danny. And, you know, no one th the touchdown numbers for the early to mid-80s are insane. Um, I'm a little biased because I used to part of my pit routine when the three years I was there is I would drive people past the house Danny grew up in and, um, you know, there's Marino's house just happened to stumble upon it, but I scripted it of course. But I also believe <laughs> that he, if he played in Peyton Manning's era, he would have every record times a thousand and he didn't get back. You know I mean? He, you thought, boy, he lost a tough one to Montana. Uh, don't worry about it. You'll go to 10 more Super Bowls. That's not how the league works. So as optimistic as we are about Mahomes, Super Bowl-wise, he could follow Marino. Who's to say? I also think Danny's one of the best five quarterbacks that ever lived, so that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either. Right, yeah. And actually, <laughs> and, and I thought about it. I was like, that's actually a pretty good comparison. You know, winning a Super Bowl aside, that is a pretty good comparison for a guy who jumped onto the scene and out of this world numbers – and ridiculous arm talent. Dan Marino is a pretty good comp. Uh, obviously, Patrick Mahomes a little bit more athletic. It can run around. Sure. And Dan Marino styles. didn't have that, but just being able to sling it. And uh, yeah, it's pretty Taking good. Taking the comp. league like by that. storm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And with a big time coach, and Shula was known as a run the ball, Bob Greasy, Zonka type coach. And he let Danny sling it, you know, right from the beginning. So. Uh, not that Reed has been bashful at all, but I also, whenever you said that stat, I'm sitting there thinking, well, Lamar could be next. I mean, he could go next year. I mean, he's going to win the MVP this year. Yeah. And I, I think that's the other trend you're going to see is, well, we'll just rebuild our offense and find the next Lamar Jackson. Well, <laughs> does it seem easier for you now for young quarterbacks to be incorporated into the NFL? Our coaches doing a better job of making their offense work for a young quarterback rather than making the quarterback work for their offense? A thousand percent. I mean, I think the rules help a little. Quarterbacks are protected a little bit more. But I think that a lot less old school curmudgeon coaches are around anymore that think this is the way you have to do it. You know, I think that they've taken a lot from the college game more so than I can remember in my career. And I give Mike Shanahan a ton of credit, too. I mean, to me, he was the first one in RG3's rookie year to really incorporate motion, especially play action to the, you know, to zone read stuff, easy throws, influence the linebackers, get it out quick, easier throws, and allowing RG3 to use his athleticism until he became a pocket passer. Well, for him, it didn't work out, but it was the cheat code early in RG3's career, early in Kaepernick's career, the people realize, 
hey, we can do this while they learn, and not all of them develop, but some like Russell Wilson do. Cam Newton, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, I want to move on, talk a little bit more senior bowl, talk about those staffs that are running the North and South squads in the Cincinnati Bengals and the Detroit Lions at the senior bowl. And one of the funnest things that happens is when Mel Kuyper starts dropping mock drafts. So we'll take a peek at Kuyper's mock draft next. Dudes, listen up. Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. I've told you about them many times. If you haven't tried it, you're out of your mind. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Guys, I never understood the pill thing. I mean, hey, you're going to make an appointment for an hour from now? I mean, Blue Chew works so much better. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, zero awkwardness. Made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, they have a fantastic deal for all of you listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment totally free when you use our promo code LOCKEDONNFL. All you're paying is $5 shipping, and you're getting way more than $5 worth of product. And the promo code is locked on. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them a great deal for sponsoring the podcast. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all of your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball season, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. If you like to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain, my bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code Locked On. One word, Locked On, to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. One other quick note that came from that conversation with Duke Tobin of the Cincinnati Bengals. He was asked about Andy Dalton and A.J. Green and their future with Cincinnati. And Tobin's response was basically, quote, we're going to handle them with respect, which makes me think that, okay, both those guys are gone. This is a complete rebuild in Cincinnati. And that would make some sense, I think, for both sides. Well, I think Dalton will be on the trade block, but we often talk about how the Bengals are really hard to trade with. I mean, they could easily overvalue him. Green, I bet, is going to get a pretty good buck, and we know they're kind of a frugal organization. But my, me, my, on my Steelers show, we often kind of laugh because last year the Bengals put out a list of the top 50 Bengals ever, and it was Anthony Munoz, and then not much. <laughs> I mean, especially like when you compared it to the Steelers. I mean, 
And AJ Green to me might be number two on that list. I mean, like he is an all-time great Bengal. They kind of need some, you know, who's who's wearing the, the the Bengal jerseys in the stands, and that that fan base is fed up. I could see them wanting to bring him back, but. Because Burrow's coming in, that's probably enough excitement that you don't have to worry about those things. You can use that money on youth. So I, I'm with you. My hunch is neither will be back, but Dalton will probably be a trade candidate. And if A.J. Green does want to come back and be a part of that rebuild, I think you have to do that because that would help a young quarterback to have a, a true pro sure. receiver in-house already. So that's not the worst thing. But I can't imagine from Green's side him wanting to go through that. Right. I keep hearing about A.J. Green and or Hunter Henry being Patriot targets. I mean, that sounds a lot better to me than going back to Cincinnati. Absolutely. That makes a lot more sense. Maybe wait for that Tom (laughs) Brady domino first and then make that jump. Yeah. Yeah. And and I want to talk a little senior bowl because you mentioned those staffs. And I just want to pull back the curtain a little bit is we had planned on having a draft analyst on today. But I I remembered when you said you you sent me a text like I I can't no one's around. I'm like. Yo, yeah, this is this is travel day. I mean, if you go to the Mobile Airport on Friday of Senior Bowl week, you'll see everyone in the NFL. I mean, if, yeah. if you're looking for autographs, you'll see people in Eagles gear, Giants, every, all 32 teams walking around as well as media. They're all in a small place, a small airport. This is travel day. By the way, it's going to be Mock Draft Mondays, and we're going to have the folks from Locked On NFL Draft, the Draft Dudes podcast here on the network on the show often, and we're going to take a look Mondays once the season is finally over after we recap the Super Bowl Monday. Every Monday after that will be Mock Draft Monday, and we'll be looking at the draftnetwork.com Mock Draft, and they are going to drop every single Monday through the process, and those guys are absolutely killing the game and really revamping the way draft coverage is done all throughout the offseason. They've got so many scouting reports already, which is Really cool, and then that ran- that coverage is just going to ramp up from there. So we'll talk to those guys often. We'll do the mock draft Mondays, uh, even though we are going to take a peek at Kuiper's mock. And you know, even though there's a lot of people doing it better, I think in the draft game now than Mel Kuiper, I'm glad he's still doing it. I hope he keeps that. I hope his hairline stays, and I hope he keeps doing it for a very long time. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we're gonna tra- during between now and the draft, we'll reach outside the network, grab some other draft folks, have them on. Um, Joe Marino, who also hosts Locked on Bills, did not make the trip to Mobile, but the rest of the draft network did because he just had a baby. So congrats to that to yes. the Marino family. So good stuff there. Um, and you're not going to be on the show this Monday. So I'm just going to do a solo mission and I might do my mock on Monday, just how I would how I view it and uh, give it some thought there. Or if any of you guys listening have some ideas, maybe I throw my way for a Monday show. I might record that Sunday as well. And I want to mention Mel because he's a pioneer. I mean, in the draft world, I've probably told our audience this, but I own every one of his guides that were ever printed since I was six years old or older or younger or, or older, I mean. Wow. So, I mean, that was Christmas morning when that thing came in the mail, Mel's Blue Book. And I was the guy, you know, that would be walking through Rite Aid or CVS or whatever it was back then, buying every draft magazine on the shelf. But Mel's was always like the Bible back then. And he probably doesn't even know who I am or remember me. But I did have dinner with him and McShay. I know Todd well. And had dinner with those guys at a senior bowl way back when, too. And he was a cool dude. So um, 
he's a legend in this industry. So I thought we'd have fun with his, his mock and he's very dialed into the league and he's got an amazing memory. He's unreal, man. I I love listening to Mel and he's a true OG and the draft coverage wouldn't be the way it is today. Probably without him. So yeah, we'll take a look at this mock today, but most mocks from here on out will be draftnetwork.com related. I love the work that those guys are doing. So when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, Joe Burrow's the slam dunk number one overall pick right now, but the one knock is going to be arm strength. And when he gets prodded and poked and they really start breaking him down and maybe overanalyzing, do you think a team like the Cincinnati Bengals hearing Duke Tobin talk about uh, Patrick Mahomes, this is not Patrick Mahomes. And is the arm strength going to hold him back in the NFL? Is there a chance he doesn't even go number one or could he not live up to those expectations of a number one overall pick because he doesn't wow you physically? I I don't have worries. I could see a team that I don't have a lot of faith in having worries. That area of the country, the area of the country I live, I mean, I do think this time of year you need to be able to cut the wind and the elements. And you know, he's from he is from Ohio, but he doesn't have a cannon. Um, they've mentioned, you know, they'll listen to offers. I mean, if they're not going to take Burrow, I would condemn them for it. I think he's a super prospect. But if you move back five, six, seven spots, maybe you're in love with one of the senior bowl guys and you get a wealth of firsts and you add a bunch of other things, then um, I'd think about it. But to me, Burrow at one, Young at two are as chalky as you're going to see, and they're in every mock draft that way. Yeah, and it makes sense, and there's a reason those guys are one, two right now. Let me put this out there for you. If Tua never got hurt... Would he be number one right now, or would that would that would do you think Burrow's think, run would have overtaken him? I just think the year that Burrow had was just undeniable. I mean, anyone that even if you just watched the national title game, wow. You know, I, I don't think so. I've watched more of Burrow than I have Tua, but I also think that I I think this storyline's coming in that you know we look at these mocks and everyone mocks Tua to the Dolphins at five. And originally everyone mocked to a one to the Dolphins when it looked like they wouldn't even win a game. Assuming we get some knowledge about the hip, I don't think Tua lasts to five. Like I think the first three picks are going to be Tua, Burrow, and Young, probably in the opposite order of that. But I don't think the Dolphins will be, when it's all said and done, my prediction is the Dolphins will not be able to sit there at five and get Tua. Yep, as long as the medicals are in, I agree with you. The yeah. draft this year starts at three, the way things look right now, unless something really catastrophic happens during the draft process for Joe Burrow or Chase Young, or there's some kind of massive trade, which it seems a lot more doubtful for those first two spots because of those prospects that will be there for the Bengals and Washington at one and two with Joe Burrow and Chase Young. So pick three, Detroit Lions. Real might quick, be I mean, as much point. as I love Chase Young, I think he's a better prospect even than Miles Garrett. The Redskins did just take sweat and they have Kerrigan. Like, it's not like they don't have needs. If somebody wanted to swoop into two to get Tua or Young, I would be, I would listen more than if I were the Bengals at one. Okay. So maybe a team, maybe a team says, okay, let's say you're the Dolphins at five and 
Yeah, you we need to get two. We have three first round picks. Right. And you're talking to the Lions and the Lions want a lot. And you talk to Washington and they want the same amount. Or maybe you think that there are a bunch of teams also talking to the Lions and maybe someone that's further back offering them more than you want to. Then maybe sure. you talk Carolina to Washington. Or the Chargers or. Yeah, yeah, right. And make that work. So I could see where a bidding war with number three could kind of spill into number two and, and make it a situation for Washington to say, well, we kind of have to do this now. Yeah, yeah, and this will be more dependent on Tua Medical, but even if he is going to redshirt his his first year in, this, in the league, I still think Miami, with all their firepower and all their trades, is going to have to get the two or three and make sure they get it done, and I bet they will. I mean, they have more cards in their hand to get that done than anybody. I just don't think you can hang out a five and think you're going to get them. So whether it's bad medical for Tua or no trades end up happening – and the Lions decide to stay put. Kuiper has Jeffrey Okuda, corner from Ohio State, going number three. And I think that's an easy one, too, because he's a rare prospect. Remember who the head coach is there. They want Stephon Gilmore. They play more man coverage than anyone in the league right there with the Patriots. I actually look at the Lions roster right now and think, I don't think they need anything on offense. You know, I mean, there's an argument maybe they should take two. Uh, I think Stafford's coming. I mean, if Stafford's back's an issue, well, then it's a whole different ball of wax here. But I think I would just have a massive defensive offseason for the Lions, and a shutdown, lockdown, rare corner is perfect to put off as a sleigh. All right, we'll pick out some of the favorite picks or okay. maybe not-so-favorite picks from the rest of this mock. Talk a little bit more draft coming up. Are you worried about the Detroit Lions, and maybe having the wrong coaching staff. I, these whispers about the, the Senior Bowl practices not being run very well is, is I mean, look, it's the Senior Bowl, and maybe they're not taking it super seriously with the way they run it. Maybe they're not worried about helping out other teams and uh, draft Knicks at home getting a good look at these prospects. But uh, from all everything I've been hearing, the, the Senior Bowl practices this year haven't gone extremely well with the Lions and Bengals. Well, the coverage is horrible compared to previous years. I don't know why NFL Network dropped their regular practice coverage. I thought that was good. You could really get a lot from one-on-ones and even team drills, and you'd hear you know people chiming in, DJ and those guys. And now they just have a recap show, and then ESPN has their show. And ESPN, they're mi- they mic'd up Patricia, and he's dropping an F-bomb every three seconds. So it's just like <laughs> quietness, you know, and – and they're not showing you what you want to see. And I've heard a lot of people that are down there have complained that the Bengals practices are sloppy and not well organized and they waste too much time. And that the Lions practices are geared towards winning the game, not displaying the the players as prospects, which it, to your point that, hey, they can it, maybe they're not taking it so seriously. Well, senior bowl staff is makes it clear like you need to show the other you're doing us we're doing you a favor that you get your hands on these guys and have an inside track on them but you need to show the rest of the league you know we're not trying to win on on sunday we're trying to show what kind of prospects these guys are and their strengths and weaknesses so i've heard a lot of bad reports from everything (laughs) that's insane so maybe it's the Bengals not taking it seriously enough and being sloppy and then maybe it's the lions taking the game part of it too seriously yeah right and (laughs) I mean, maybe the Bengals staff is over their head, period. I mean, looking at last year as well. And then they had bad weather yesterday and went indoors, and there was only so many people that could go. So not everybody even got to watch the indoor practice. I mean, the the teams did, but the media didn't. So 
Um, I've gotten less out of the senior bowl than ever. It bums me out. Yeah, that is a bummer. Once you get past the Lions at three, Jeffrey Okuda, the number four and five picks are are super interesting. The New York Giants, you want to put an offensive tackle in there. There might be a defensive player that has more value there, say Derek Brown, or in this mock draft, it is Isaiah Simmons, super athletic, modern-day linebacker out of Clemson at four to New York. Yeah, and Brown's a really good defensive tackle prospect, but they went that direction with Lawrence. I assume they'll keep Williams after trading for him, Leonard Williams. Mentioned yesterday, they have not drafted a linebacker in round one since Carl Banks. Wow. You know, I mean, that was a, yeah. that was LT time. Um, and uh, But th- there is a new sheriff in town, and this it's an absolute need. And kind of to your point, and I just need to do more work on it, because I have seen a lot of people mock offensive tackles to this spot, and I think you'd get your pick of the litter. I'm not quite sure that there is a tackle that's truly the fourth best player in the draft, though. I mean, or the fifth or sixth, you know, I mean, it's is it a reach is what I need to figure out. Right. No, that that's a good one. And that's uh, that's what a lot of teams are going to want to figure out. And come draft day, I think it happens almost every year. All of the mocks and everything, they don't give enough credit to the offensive line and way more offensive linemen go a lot higher than than everybody expects. Absolutely. And every team needs uh, one. Everyone needs one. Yeah, I mean, right. There's 20 teams. I'm going to be doing team needs at some point. And if, if you're doing top three team needs, I bet 24 teams have O-line in their top three somewhere. Absolutely. Uh, we've got Tua Tagovailoa. I hope I said his last name right. And I rarely see I'm the, working on it. I, ra- I rarely go to the last name. Uh, <laughs> to the Dolphins at five, which is almost as locked in in most mock drafts as pick one and two are. And then pick six, you've got your first guy from the Senior Bowl here, Justin Herbert. And by all reports, Herbert came in as the top guy in the Senior Bowl, and he's performing that way. Uh, the quarterback out of Oregon, 6'6", 227 pounds, going to the Los Angeles Chargers at six. And that would make a ton of sense. Um, I also think that a Senior Bowl is the ideal situation for a 6'6 dude with a hose for a right arm to really impress people. You know, if people aren't chasing them. You don't know if the process is quick some of the knocks on him you wouldn't see. So this environment is perfect for him. And it wouldn't shock me at all if he goes in this neighborhood. And I feel like the Chargers either have to go quarterback or O-line and everything else is, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense there. Let's start jumping around here. Are there any picks? Well, first of all, can I start with the pick that I think is the worst in the entire mock draft? Yeah, bring it on. Uh, that is number 31, just because he has the 49ers drafting in the wrong spot. They should be one spot back drafting at number 32. <laughs> I love the player, though, Grant Delpit out of LSU. If he falls that far to the end of the first round, uh, that's a no-brainer draft pick, I think, for for a lot of teams if he gets toward that uh, late 20s into the 30 range. Yeah, he was a guy that was on all the lists. Yeah, One of the things Todd McShay hates the most, obviously, is he has to do a mock draft like the day after the draft and but for the next year. And Delpit is one of those guys that are on all the preseason lists as like a top 10 prospect. But I think he battled some injuries this year. He missed a lot of tackles. So somebody might get the the the, the two-year go version of him instead of this past year at a discount rate. And it, it looks like he's one of the only probably two dudes that look like they're slam dunks to be first-round safeties. And with the 49ers trading away, Second rounder for D Ford, third and fourth rounders for Emmanuel Sanders. They don't have a pick until uh, after round four, after round one. So if you want to move up into the first round, you're calling the San Francisco 49ers, whether they're picking at 31 or 32. Uh, Any other picks standing out to you in this mock? 
Yeah, there, there's one I definitely wanted to bring up, and that's 24, the Saints taking Jordan Love. Um, I really – I need to study Love. But talk about Mahomes types, and I just said in the first segment, you don't want to overreact to the the success Mahomes is having. But I might overreact on Jordan Love and fall in love with him. And by the time it, it rolls around, it wouldn't shock me if I think he's a top 10 player. Because the things I know about him are insane talent. Watching what I did at the Senior Bowl, I was very impressed. All the reports have been really good this week on him. And I can't get around the fact that everyone's killed him for last year, but he's a new coach. He had nine new starters and very little around him. And it's interesting that the Saints would grab him here, too. You know, I mean, again, Mel is dialed into the league, and he might know a thing or two that they're looking for the next guy. And they don't have a lot of other needs. When it comes to the Senior Bowl, I, I want to point out another guy who's dominating, and that is defensive tackle from South Carolina, Javon Kinlaw, and he is the complete prospect. He's got all the height, weight, speed, measurables I think you would look for for an interior defensive lineman, and he's dominating practices from everything I've seen and reports I've heard out of Mobile, Alabama. He has uh, them going to number the Jacksonville nine. Jaguars at number nine, so a couple of senior bowlers in the top ten. Yeah, and I mentioned Derek Brown before. He's going seven to Carolina in this mock, and people rave about him, and Monster. there's lots of talk that he's clearly the number one defensive tackle, and he seems like a guy out of Auburn that has very few holes. But with this week, uh, your guy Kinlaw is starting to challenge him possibly for the 1A type of deal in terms of house wrecker in the middle, really good leverage player, long arms, has some Chris Jones to him. And I urge you guys to check out his backstory, too. I mean, he was homeless for a while, um, Juco dude, and now he's really worked hard to get where he is. Um, really rough upbringing and over, has overcome a lot, so he's a real easy guy to root for. I don't know if there's any other picks you want to highlight here. We have a minute or two. I do want to mention the wide receivers because this is a really good and really deep wide receiver class, and I feel like there's been a few of those in recent history, really just a ton of good young wide receivers coming into the league. But C.D. Lamb, Jerry, Judy, uh, Henry Ruggs has is, is got crazy speed if you want to try to find your Tyreek yeah. Hill type of wide receiver, probably in the top half of the first round. And then on and on, there's a ton of guys, different sizes and shapes, all the way through the draft at wide receiver. Yeah, and I, I do a lot of dynasty stuff, and, and been, so I'm kind of on top of the incoming running backs, receivers, skill position guys, and um, they're, they've been talking about this class for years. Like, this could be the 2014 Watkins, Evans, A-Rod, you know, Odell type of year where there's studs, like you mentioned, and it's extremely deep. Like, there may be 20 wideouts in this class that make serious impacts in, in the first two, three, four rounds because there's so many of them. And just the last note on this mock, kind of like you said, I'm um, for pick eight, Arizona, Andrew Thomas, and then 10, um, another tackle out of Louisville to Cleveland, and then 11, Willis to the Jets, and then Lamb at 12 from Oklahoma, Judy 13 to the Colts, and then Werfs O-tackle to Iowa at 14, and then Ruggs 15 to Denver is just a huge pile of wide receivers and tackles and that's yeah uh, and and every team needs those so uh they're yeah. they're gonna go they're gonna go like hot potatoes and and i don't know if any of them are good enough to be top five guys but there's gonna absolutely be a run on both of those positions at some point and it happens here you know 10 to 15 range yeah and it seems like judy and lamb are the two that are really fighting to be first receiver off the board 
A ton more draft to get into throughout the offseason all the way through April, kicking it off this week before we get heavily into a Super Bowl week next week. And then it's all going to be about free agency, draft. It's going to be a lot of fun in the offseason, uh, as it usually is. And you and I both are way into the draft. I love it. I'm going to get... I mean, I'm going to dive in with both feet and both arms and head first and and whatever. Like, (laughs) no floaties. I'm getting into the draft hard after this Super Bowl, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have it all covered for you here, Locked On NFL.